We'll begin the Gospel of John in chapter 8, and I'll be looking at verses... Um, I'll begin reading with verse 31 and go to verse 42, just to have some continuity between the two passages. And um, if any of this message sounds familiar, it's because Pastor Bo has already preached it in the morning. <laughs> and Ed says, oh no, I can go to sleep during this one. <laughs> Well, well, for those who weren't out in the morning, right, Marie? That's right, it's new to you. And Millie, and Steve, so there's a few people here who, who didn't hear the morning message. Um, but no, this is uh, a similar topic, um, but the scriptures are always, always relevant to us, no matter how many times we hear them. And so, something to be taken from it uh, here this afternoon, for sure. Well, we begin reading in verse 31 of John chapter 8. Then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me. Because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me and a man that hath told you the truth which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We are not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. But he sent me. Now that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Let us pray. Loving Father, that you will bless your word, encourage our hearts, and do make us to see those things which are truly wonderfully displayed here, even of Christ himself, of his godhood, and of the purpose of his coming into the world, of his incarnation, of those things which relate to the deity of Christ. And Lord by application of our own salvation, as we be the seed of Abraham by faith. Well, I'd like to look at that subject. Uh, We are the spiritual seed of Abraham. And uh, three areas we're going to kind of point out uh, here this afternoon. Everyone who commits sin is the servant of sin. Uh, We realize that the people that Jesus was speaking to, the Jews... Uh, Some of them called themselves disciples or followers of Christ. Others of them did not. Others of them wanted to kill him. 
and we find that there was something very important to be said about their lives and that is that though they felt themselves to be righteous they were quite unrighteous and though they felt themselves to be righteous under the law they were yet sinners and he wanted them to realize their sin and the need that they had of being delivered of that sin because they were truly servants of sin because they did sin and uh, so we recognize that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God here is a principle which is which is universally true and uh, any who would trust any other than Christ are in need of salvation secondly the son shall make you free that is no longer in bondage to sin the idea of free indeed truly is truly truly free in Christ and so we find that uh, there was a great need to communicate this message to those who would be disciples of Christ and so also to reinforce that even in our own lives that if we be belong to Christ if we truly have faith in Christ then we are free indeed that is no longer in bondage to sin for Christ himself is our righteousness and has taken our sin upon himself and so that is very important for us to recognize as well as those who do not know the Lord and then thirdly if God were your father ye would love me well here is a principle of course that uh, Jesus wanted them to realize that he had come into the world he was sent by the father he in truth was the Christ the Messiah and they wanted to kill him and he points it out that they did not love him but if they knew that he was truly of God they would love him and so there was something out of place here they were not where they needed to be in relationship to the father they called God their father but yet here is God's son standing before them and they wanted to kill him they wanted to kill the son of God they wanted to destroy God's only begotten son and so it is in the hearts of many people they are misdirected in their own spiritual lives they think they have faith they think they have righteousness but in effect they are at enmity with God so we'd like to look at this passage a little more closely here as we continue uh, first of all then uh, everyone who commits sin is a servant of sin now um, I think maybe I ought to preach about 20 minutes of this message and let Bo come up and preach the second half because he has a lot of experience in, the, in, the, in this, uh, this passage and, and of course the one in Galatians. Uh, but let us look at this uh, kind of with fresh eyes if we can and, and see what God has for us right here on this page. Uh, we're going to look at it from a sense of biblical theology. Uh, biblical theology is that you take the passage in, in itself for what it says and you read the passage get what you can out of it and apply it to your own heart as, uh, as opposed to systematic theology which would take a more or less uh, broader comprehensive look at the whole Bible we won't do that we'll just take a more of a biblical theological look at it right here 
so in the context, we know Jesus has been, has been addressing these who were religious rulers. He had been addressing those who were the common people as well. Uh, that it was about the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, nearing the end of it, and the closure of that time. And so it is that uh, Jesus had opportunity to teach in the temple, uh, to proclaim the word of God, and to speak of himself as the true Christ, the true Messiah of God. And uh, he had found some who were in favor of him. And so as we look at verse 31, um, well, let's look at verse 30. As he spoke these words, many believed on him. Okay, so let's keep that in mind. There were those who believed on him in the group that we're, uh, that we're looking at here. The verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. So, okay, we've confirmed there are people there who believed on him, and they were very much interested in following the Lord Jesus Christ as being his disciples. Verse 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So he makes this, this startling statement that uh, they can be free, truly free, if they will um, acquiesce to the truth. They will speak uh, and know the truth, because the truth shall make you free. In verse 33, they answered him, We are Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou ye shall be made free. Now this verse seems to be a little bit out of place, doesn't it, with the, the previous verses that we just read. Except we must realize that this group that Jesus was, uh, was addressing was a diverse group. Uh, the religious rulers there were, too, were there as well. The people who wanted him out of the way were there. And so the people who believed on him, uh, the, those people who heard of his miracles, those people who saw him do those things which were beyond natural reason, they were supernatural. Those people who heard him speak and were, were quite amazed at the words that he was saying uh, and realized that he must truly be from God and no doubt was the Christ and they were believing on him. And then there were these religious rulers. So these who were the religious rulers uh, were probably those who are more addressing him in verse 33. Then answered him, they answered him, We are Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. Well, isn't that really what happens when you try to talk to somebody about faith in Christ? Oh, they would say, Oh, I'm a Baptist, uh, I'm a Methodist, uh, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Congregational. Uh, we be members of a church universal. Uh, and they'll give these various arguments. Well, that's what they're doing here. They're saying the same thing. They're saying, uh, we're Abraham's seed. What do you mean uh, that we need to be free? Free of what? You know, it's kind of, they, they don't understand. Because they, they do not have that spirit of God in them. So they answered him, We are Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Well, they were wrong on two points. Uh, and the second point here is that um, they had been in bondage to someone. In fact, they were in bondage to the Egyptians, right? 
They were 430 years, they were in bondage to the Egyptians and, and Pharaoh. Uh, that, that was a pretty severe bondage. Uh, then they were in bondage to uh, Babylon, the Babylonians. Uh, how about Nebuchadnezzar? How about the Chaldeans? How about the Persians? How about the Greece? Greece, when Alexander the Great came along? Um, how about the Romans? I guess they've been in bondage a few times. Uh, you see, they, people tend to kind of interpret things to their own advantage. And so when, you, when you're talking to someone and, and they say, Oh, I'm a, I'm a United Methodist. I'm a, I'm a conservative Catholic. Um, and maybe they'll say that there's something else. Um, and th- then they'll say, Oh, I've always been saved. I've been going to church for the last 50 years and have been, uh, have been baptized and a member of the church. And, um, and I know every catechism there is to know. And they're just fine, you see. And, and, and that's, who, that's what these religious rulers were basically saying. We'd be Abraham's seed. I mean, if you're going to claim something of the highest caliber, claim Abraham, he is the father of the people of the Jews. Father Abraham. And uh, so they can trace their, their lineage right back to Abraham. Uh, he's called out of the earth of the Chaldees. Uh, unto a country that he knew not. And uh, he was to establish a people. And so we find that through the lineage of Abraham came Isaac and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What wonderful patriarchs, right? And so we be Abraham's seed. And uh, they thought this would, be, this would end the discussion. Uh, and uh, so we, they say, Ye shall be made free. How sayest thou ye should be made free? Uh, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Well, why would he happen to say this at this particular juncture? Except for the fact that they were still in bondage to another. And the greatest bondage that people can be in to is sin. Sin is the greater bondage. One might be, they, they were in bondage to Egypt, that is true. They were in bondage to Babylon, that's true. They were in bondage to um, uh, all of the Persia and all the rest of them, uh, Greece and, and Rome. But those were political elements. But the greater bondage is sin itself. Sin. Uh, the law was never meant to free a man of sin but rather is the schoolmaster to teach us about sin and our transgressions of the law. And so they were in bondage to sin. And what, uh, what would the Messiah want them to know more than anything else? That he came to redeem his people from their sin. That is what Jesus came for. He did not come to be a political leader that would free them from political bondage to Rome. He came to free them from the bondage of sin. That they might know him as the true Messiah of God and the true Savior. And so we find that he brings this subject out which seems to be lost upon their own understanding altogether. And this is true as well when you're talking to people who 
may be trusting in their good works or they may be trusting in their church they may be trusting in their church membership they may tr- be trusting in the church, church baptism they may be trusting in uh, their own righteousness that uh, they need to really recognize that they are in bondage to sin because of the sin nature and unless they're tr- trusting in Christ unless they have called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive them of sin, that Christ might be their righteousness, they will yet remain in bondage to their sin. And so here Jesus expands upon this whole thing, saying in verse 35, And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth ever. Now what is he saying here? Well, we might immediately apply it to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah, but from a more natural viewpoint, he's saying a servant and a son. What's the difference between a servant and a son? Well, in this particular culture to which we're talking about here, the servant was pretty low on the scale of of things, um, the class scale. Servants were bought and sold. Servants were subservient to their master. Servants didn't inherit anything. They were servants. There was no inheritance. There was no promise left to them of a fortune or anything of that nature. But the son, now that is different. Now the son did have an inheritance. The son had a promise of an inheritance. Well, we could take the example of the prodigal son to kind of confirm that. The prodigal son was not a servant. The prodigal son just came of age and he wanted to go and live his own life. And so he he took his inheritance and he went off and he squandered his living and he came back home. But he came back home as a son. And And who did he come home to but a father who loved him. A father who was still willing to accept him as a son and say that you are welcome in this house. And so he gave him a nice robe and put a ring on his finger and killed a fatted calf and and did all of that. But that would not have happened if he was a servant. Because he wouldn't have been obliged to do it, you see. And then, of course, we do have the sense here that Jesus... Uh, Jesus is the Son of God, and so his house, with him, came the promise of an inheritance, greater than mere man, and man's position. And so we have that sense, too, uh, involved in this passage. Uh, The Son abideth ever, and so we we have that eternal nature of the, the Son of God and the inheritance of the Son of God, and the promise that he would fulfill on, in the behalf of his people. And so everyone commits, everyone who commits sin is the servant of sin. Uh, simply stated, everyone has sinners. And so these Jews, they needed to remember that the Messiah was the promise that was to come through Abraham. And they were somewhat neglectful of remembering the scriptures concerning Abraham. They were willing to call him their father because of the lineage. But they had forgotten the true spiritual nature of Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness sake. Genesis 15. Okay, so 
Let us look at verse 37. And here the Son shall make you free, he says. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. Now, um, why would uh, his own disciples want to kill him, you see? Well, obviously they wouldn't. But rather, it was these religious rulers. And Jesus knew what was in their heart. And isn't it true that God knows what's in the heart of man? And that he sees what is there. And wherever there is hate, there is murder. In fact, Jesus later in the gospel says that, in effect, that to hate your brother is tantamount to murder. And so it is that there are many who are, are very hating today, are they not? Of course, there's a lot of political um, spin on this idea of hate speech and, and so forth. You can't say anything against anybody unless they say to, that you hate them. But uh, let's make it clear, there's a difference between the judgment of man and the righteousness of God. And the judgment of man and the judgment of God. And so... Um, we, let's not, you don't want to ever get confused over the political things that are happening in the world and what the Bible has to say. They are two separate things altogether, diametrically opposed to one another, completely. And so you always want to interpret things by what the Bible has to say, not by what the world is, is saying. And so here we find that uh, Jesus says, uh, you call yourself Abraham's seed, but you hate me and want to kill me. And so here is a contradiction, a huge contradiction. In verse 38, I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Uh, notice here that father in both places are different. One is capitalized and one isn't. One is referring to, truly, the Father in heaven, and the other one is not. It is the one who owns their hearts and minds. That is what he is saying. And the one who owns their hearts and minds that want to kill him is not the heavenly Father, but it is rather the evil one himself. Ear of your father, the devil, and later, of course, uh, we understand that he even says that in verse 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. And so um, it is very clear that he was telling them emphatically they were not doing the will of God the Father. And you know, that brings up another interesting comment is that there are many who call themselves Christians, many who call themselves religious, many who, who say that they are righteous or they are very devout people, but yet they have a, um, a goal in mind, ambitions which are quite different than what God does. And there are many wars, of course, uh, which have been fought in the name of religion. Uh, many people have done very great and harmful things in the name of religion and of their own particular brand of spirituality. Um, but we should never get, what, get that confused with what the Word of God says. Because God's Word is pure and holy. And His work is undefiled. It is, it is truly just and righteous in all of, its, all of its parts. But the world and the things that it uh, purports are not so. And these religious rulers were not so either. 
they were not holy in the things that they wanted to do. They wanted to kill Jesus. Even if Jesus wasn't the Messiah of God, they should not have wanted to kill him. Thou shalt not kill. I think we've read that somewhere before in the covenant of Moses. And yet they call themselves um, followers of the covenant of the law, but they themselves broke it more often than one might think. And so, uh, verse 39, They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. And so he's really telling them, you should go back and look at Abraham and just see what the works of Abraham were. Because the, Abraham, the works of Abraham were, were holy and just and righteous works. Uh, Abraham followed God out of the Ur of the Chaldees to a, a country that he did not know. Abraham led his own promised son, Isaac, to the top of a mountain and there followed the will of God to sacrifice him, if need be. Uh, and to be obedient to God. Abraham was truly a man of God in every sense of the truest word. Yes, a man, but yet a man of God. And these people were not following the true spiritual life of Abraham. Verse 40, But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth which I heard of God this did not Abraham. And so uh, what did uh, Abraham not do? Well, Abraham didn't seek to kill Jesus or kill anybody falsely. Uh, no, Abraham was a man of God. And so they were not following Abraham. Abraham was a true man of God. And so the Son shall make you free. That is no longer in bondage to sin. It seems like that they were willing to sin on just about every turn. They were willing to sin in trying to entrap Jesus. And remember that particular case very well. That they brought this woman who was taken in adultery and they set a trap for Christ hoping that they could catch him in some means to, that he was breaking the law. They set out to capture Jesus on many different accounts. And because it wasn't yet Jesus' time or hour, uh, he escaped out of their presence. And they wanted to kill him. They, they literally wanted to, to destroy him. To wrongfully take him and murder him. And of course, ultimately, we know that uh, we might say, well, they have succeeded in that. Except that it was part of God's plan that he might suffer and die as he did for the sins of the world. And so uh, we find that uh, this... Uh, sense of, of being free indeed um, was something that they really could not quite grasp. Um, they were not free under the law. They were in bondage to the law. They were not free under the political system. They were in bondage to Rome. They were not free even as far as their own lives were concerned because they were indeed sinners and in need of a savior. And so on all accounts they were truly uh, very much in bondage. And Jesus wanted them to know that they could be free. Truly free. Free indeed. Free from the law. Free from sin. 
and ultimately they could be free from political um, bondage. Just because uh, Rome was in power didn't mean that they could not be free spiritually and believe that Jesus was the true Christ, the true Messiah of God, the one that was promised in the Old Testament to come and to create a kingdom that would be truly a kingdom of David to rule in righteousness and true holiness. And that was promised to the nation of Israel. It was a, to be a religious and political uh, rule, if you will, a theocracy, which was what God intended for them to be under in the beginning, a true sense of a theocracy. But they were not free. And they had no true concept of what he was talking about here because they did not recognize him as the true Christ. And then also we see here, it says, If God were your father, ye would love me. And so in verse 40, But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We are not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And uh, so they immediately dismissed what Jesus had to say. And uh, they still claimed to be uh, in, under the authority of God the Father. In verse 42, Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, ye would love me, for I proceedeth forth from, uh, and came from God. And so we find here that, again, there is a contradiction. They not only wanted to kill Jesus, who is the Son of God, and is the true Messiah of God, but in this particular verse we find that they did not love him, and they should have loved him, but rather they had hate and great antimosity toward Christ, who was truly the anointed of God. And so their hatred and their animosity toward Christ uh, led them to want to destroy him. So on every account, they were truly wrong. They wanted to keep the law for themselves and they were in bondage to it. They wanted to call Abraham their father, but they would not do the things, the spiritual faith. They would not have that spiritual faith that Abraham had. They would not follow Abraham in that faith which he himself possessed. No. And, and they wanted to kill Jesus. And they didn't love Jesus. They rather hated Jesus. Well, there are many people today who, who call themselves Christians, who call themselves religious, who, but yet they will say, they do not believe that Jesus is the Christ. They do not believe that he resurrected they do not believe that he died for the sins of the world. They do not believe that he is the Messiah. Well, the Jews themselves, even today, they're still blinded. The, the nation of Israel is still blinded. They're still under that same blindness. It has not yet been lifted from them. Yes, there are some who have come to faith in Christ, and we, we, we're thankful for that. We pray for Jerusalem. We pray for the people of God. It is our, our, our obligation to do so, and we, we do that. And there are many who come to faith in Christ who happen to be Jews. But nationally, that is not the case. Nationally, there are 
they still are against Christ. They're, they're still blinded by their own sin. As sin is such a perverse, uh, perverse and, and pervasive uh, condition of the human heart, the dark, darkness of sin uh, reigns in all those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. So Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. I, he says that he came forth from the Father and that he was sent. And of course this underscores what we already know about Christ. That he came as the Son of God into the world. That he was born of a virgin. That he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. That he came into this world to suffer and die for the sins of the world. That he came to be revealed as the true Savior of sinners. Now, in closing, I'll, I'll read a passage of some verses of Scripture out of Romans chapter 9, which go along with this quite well. Um, Romans 9, beginning with verse 4, Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? Notice that uh, Romans tells them about all these wonderful things that were given to the Israelites. The covenants... The law, the service of God, by this also we could say the priesthood, and the promises, the promises to come uh, through Christ. In verse 5, who are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever, amen. And so Christ is that one who was promised to come, and he did come. And, and as God is over all and did design to bless his own people, so Jesus Christ was sent. But it goes further than simply those who are called Israelites. In verse 6, Not as though the word of God hath taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are Israel. And we know that within the Abrahamic covenant there was this, there was this great comprehensive sense of the blessing of God um, as the stars in the heavens as the sand upon the seashore and as all the families of the earth would be blessed through Abraham even the Gentile nations and so when he says here in Romans 9 that all Israel he says for they are not all Israel who are Israel um, there's this, the sense of Israel is much more expanded in the true sense of the spiritual seed of Abraham. And that's where you and I come in. The true sense of the spiritual seed of Abraham. In verse, uh, Romans chapter 9 and verse 8, that is, they who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Now, Pastor Bo got into some of that this morning. Uh, just a couple of things to recap there. Uh, Hagar, of course, the, the um, bond maid of Abraham, uh, she's called the covenant of, of the law, and we might say, of the flesh. Uh, so that's what lines up here in verse 8. That is, they who are the children of the flesh, here's Hagar, 
they they have children of the flesh. You might also add Ishmael there. Add him right in. These are not the children of God, you see. Just because you're of the nation of Israel, it doesn't mean you're of Abraham's seed, that is the spiritual seed. Um, But the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Who are the promise? Well, that's Sarah. Uh, Sarah is the covenant of grace. And just add in Isaac right after it, because you know he's the promised one that, that, that should come, and he is the one to who, through whom the covenant of promise would, would appear later, even Christ himself, and of grace and truth and life everlasting, but that would never be produced through Hagar and Ishmael and the flesh. It would only come through Sarah and then Isaac and Christ. That is the only way it would come about. Just reading a couple more verses here as we close. Verse 9, For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. So here comes Isaac. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for when the children being not yet born neither having done any good or evil, that the promise of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. And I'm glad he added, not of works, but of him that calleth. Because works goes back to the law. You see, works goes back to Ishmael. Work goes back to Hagar. And that's the flesh. It's not of that line. No, this is, this is the line wherein the promise of God is given. This is the line wherein the true spiritual seed of Abraham is born and children are given. The true spiritual seed. And that is the one, of course, that affects not only Jew and Gentile alike. For we recognize in Romans 1.16, it says the power of God is unto salvation to the Jew and the Gentile. See how wonderfully the scriptures come together fully and completely. Uh, The last two or three verses here and verse 10 and not only this but when Rebekah also had conceived by one even by our father Isaac for the children being not yet born neither having done any good or any evil that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works but of him that calleth not of good and not of evil he says well if it was of either of good or of evil then it might be works. You see. God does things not based upon who we are, but upon his divine purposes and plan in a very sovereign way, that all things might come according to his purpose. In verse 12, it was said unto her, the eldest shall serve the younger. As, I, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And of course, the God doesn't hate, by the way. This term is merely a, we might say, a moral term for us to understand the difference between love and hate. Our love is quite different than God's love. God's love is a true agape love. And uh, man's love is uh, eros and phileo kind of love. But uh, God's love is way beyond that. And uh, he, he doesn't hate in the same way 
we do. Rather, he prefers, prefers and elects and calls according to his will. His disposition to fulfill his plan of redemption would not come through Esau, but would come through Isaac, because that was the promise to Sarah and Abraham. And the promised seed must be Christ. It could not be an Esau that married an Edomite. No. It must be Christ who is the bride of Christ. And we are the bride of Christ. And so we find that uh, this is a much higher and much more glorious in every way. We are the spiritual seed of Abraham. We, Jew and Gentile alike, are the spiritual seed of Abraham. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we thank you for your grace and mercies to us. We ask your blessing, Father upon your word, in Jesus' name, amen.